show from a heavy metal perspective. From Danzig to death, to Dark Throne to Dr. Shrinker. Buckle up, things are about to get heavy. This is the Metal Podcast. Let's rock and roll. Welcome to another episode of the Metal Podcast, a music show that seemingly doesn't talk about metal anymore. I am AC, and I am here with my trusted counterpart, DJ. How are you doing, my friend? Goodness gracious, I am excited. Uh, And yeah, we don't really talk metal anymore, but that's okay. We're giving our metal take on something that's not metal but we're making it metal but uh i'm excited i think we got a good one today i do too but i have to start off with uh, an addendum to something earlier Uh, i was told recently by the person who initially said this to me that uh this is false so apparently you can use rap lyrics as evidence in a court of law and apparently that was started by some some crackpots on the internet and that just kind of spiraled into a, an urban legend. But that doesn't change anything. I just have to add that addendum because at the end of the day, those drill rappers are still being celebrated. They're still getting tens of millions of views. They're still committing the murders and living that gangsta, that thug life if you will, some foreshadowing there. And I do want to, well, we'll talk about some metal now. And if someone says, oh, well, you say this about the metal lyrics versus the rap, like, oh, what's the difference? There's bad. Well, here's the real difference. People don't read lyrics and then base their life off of that. They base their life off of the people that write and recite the lyrics. Now with, with the metal people, what young kids would do is they would pick up an instrument and they would try to emulate the metal life, which is partying hard, uh, excessive debauchery and really getting girls where rap isn't really like that. I mean, sure. That's, that is absolutely an aspect to it, but they are almost, almost always first and foremost criminals. They're not like we're going from town to town and we're going to party. Like the rappers don't live like Motley Crue and like that is as degenerate as it gets. Most rappers live like most street gangs, even though they have the money to not sure. You get some older ones like your Jay-Z and whatnot, and they have a lot of money and, or, or uh, puff daddy P diddy, uh, Sean Combs, if you would. Sure. They're not, but. The younger ones are, and maybe someone like Chris Brown isn't, but he's still a violent sociopath and he's regularly causing acts of violence on strangers and there's no negative repercussions to it. He gets, he gets charged and then charges get dropped and people see that you don't get the same behavior from people that play heavy metal or listen to heavy metal. What you get is pretty much across the board. People smoke weed, drink beer, and they go to parties. And that's they're it. not in, they're not intimidating witnesses and, uh, getting their, uh, you know, trials dismissed. 
No, they're not. And and they're also not killing people just because like someone scuffed their Jordans. Or, that, uh, yeah, or fouled them on the basketball court. That too. Yeah, that too, of course. Lest we forget. That being Chris said. Brown. <laughs> yes, yes. It's a, yes, yes. If you didn't hear the episode with Chris Brown, the boogeyman, uh, which, which episode was that? I believe it was the wolf, the fifth, episode six, the seven, wolf. seven, the wolf seven. tune in. You know, I guess I'll no link in the description. Just click around. You'll find it. So we are, we're going to take a trip back to the, the, uh, the eighties and the nineties where we are. This is something that has, I've wanted to talk about for a long time and I haven't really had a, a good medium for doing this. And the, the original idea that I had, it's just, it's completely scrapped. We are doing something completely different because we just did some, some rudimentary research into the subject and we found a lot of very bizarre and unexpected things. Now, what we will be talking about is the mystery behind perhaps the most influential and popular rapper of all time, Tupac Shakur. His early upbringing and his eventual death, and there are a lot of questions around a lot of things. So and Tupac... We don't wanna, I was going to say, I'll we fin- don't want to... Oh, oh, I'm going to finish, uh, finish my okay, little all right, all right. thing here. There we so go. Tupac has sold, I believe, 75 million records uh mini after he died movie star overall pop culture icon still relevant today more relevant than many artists that are even still alive and it is my assertion that everything around this man is completely astroturfed I think he is as phony as Kurt Cobain, but in a more different way. Now, he's not exactly the same as Kurt Cobain. I think no matter what, Tupac would have been the big star that he became. And it's not because he's talented. Now, how many people have you met in your life that are talented, that are plumbers, mechanics? assistant manager at, uh, at UPS, there are so many and being talented, isn't good enough. Being connected is what matters. And Tupac was very connected. Now go on. You were saying before you interrupted me. Yeah. Well, I feel like it was an appropriate interruption because, well, I'll grant you that we, we, we didn't want to forget about the other person who is synonymous with Tupac, and that is the notorious B.I.G. and the circumstances surrounding his upbringing and eventual downfall. So I thought that would be very interesting that, you know, obviously these two are connected, but uh, in a lot of ways that I think others don't necessarily uh, think about involving the LAPD, uh, the Rampart scandal, which you know, not many people know about and that there are problems continuing today with 
not only law enforcement, but the LAPD in particular. But uh, let's get back to our friend uh, Tupac Shakur. Well, now that you you brought up Notorious B.I.G., they they both have very different upbringings, but there's also a lot of very interesting things and about Notorious B.I.G. So Notorious B.I.G. at one point was friends with Tupac. I didn't know this because whenever I had been paying attention to this at the time, I only knew them as enemies. I, I knew, I, I knew, you know, hit them up the, the diss track that, that Tupac did. I believe it's where he mentioned having sex with Biggie's wife. Who knows if that's true or not? It doesn't matter. He, he wrote a song about it. And at the time, uh, he was a multi-platinum selling rapper who had been in a string of movies and had a reputation. So everyone was going to hear it, including Notorious B.I.G. and his wife. But we'll, we'll, we'll go to the, the beginning and then you, you can, um, feel free to, to interrupt me with, uh, um, with Biggie stuff as we'll just go through the kind of the upbringing of Tupac. All right. Yeah. So we'll connect. Yeah. So Tupac was born in New York. His name was Lassane Crooks and he was renamed Tupac Shakur. And he was named after some Incan or something that tried to revolt against, uh, the, the Spaniards in Peru. So he was named after a revolutionary or, or an attempted revolutionary. His, his mom wanted him to have the name of a revolutionary because he was always going to take up this role. And, and, and we've talked about this with rage against the machine. This is a very similar subject where instead of, uh, hard rock, it's, it's rap. Now, most people know Tupac as the thug life, California love. But he had several records before that, and he had a very different persona. So his his mother's name was Afeni Shakur, not her actual name. Her name was Alice Williams. And his father's name, his biological father, is Billy Garland. I wonder if that's uh, any relation to Merrick Garland. Now, I believe they were both Black Panthers. Uh, his father was. I, I think they both were. And um, uh, Tupac's, uh, it says Godmother or something, uh, uh, Ayata Shakura, who had been a member of, I believe, the Black Liberation Army, and she killed a cop, and she uh, escaped to Cuba, where she sought asylum there for just first-degree murder, Kill the cop. Now, this is this is the thing that people have in their heads that the Black Panthers were fighting against the the horrible oppression in America. When the reality was, they they weren't. They were a violent Marxist gang. the 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 leader Huey Newton he was just a, a street level criminal, and these were Tupac's parents. And now his father was absent. And uh, he was raised by his mother. Uh, his, his mother was uh, tried as part of the Black Panther 21 criminal trial. 
uh, she was acquitted of 150 charges, which is very interesting, being charged that much and nothing sticking. Out of 150, you couldn't find one? Yeah. Uh, uh, What type of prosecutor are you working with? Well, that's a good question. It also raises the question, well, what does it say about the Black Panthers? I thought they were this persecuted revolutionary group. Really, if you got 150 charges against you and you are persecuted, you're probably going to get most of them to stick. Yeah, anyway. it seems like that uh, work, the system's working for you and in your favor in that regard. But, you know, I can't stop thinking about uh, Forrest Gump when he says, I'm sorry I got in a fight at your Black Panther Party. But maybe that was a way of like lightening up the mood for in regards to the Black Panther Party and, and their history. Well, uh, but I, it's interesting. Well, that was Forrest Gump's way of of trying to tell the audience that the that well that fights don't ever happen around the Black Panthers. That's a that's a nonviolent group. There's no violence there. That was what that was that line was for. Yeah, and it seems like an opposite upbringing than uh, Biggie had in because uh, he was raised in Brooklyn, New York as well. Mother was a strict uh, preschool teacher. His dad was uh, a welder and a politician, and apparently he excelled in school and uh, you know won several awards as an English student. And it seemed like Tupac had an interesting upbringing as well. Um, you know, I think he studied acting, poetry, jazz, ballet, and he was acting in plays. Well, you're, you're skipping around, though. Yeah, I am. Yeah, well, I, we're we're still talking about the Black Panthers. See, the okay. The thing is, when you're raised by someone with this with these radical beliefs, they're gonna stick to you. That was that was the the final sticking point. This Tupac had these thoughts in his head his whole life. But yes, b- back to that tu- Tupac, he was like an artsy type. Like he was. Jazz, poetry, ballet, acting. But with those, uh, uh, you know, upbringing of the kind of violent type, so to speak, but has that artsy. Um, I'm going to disagree. Gift. Not the violent I mean, type. That, uh, see, now the Black Panthers are violent, but they are a communist mouthpiece. That's all they are is they're, they're just, they're just communists. So his upbringing, what he studied, was not too different from the traditional talking points of the average Hollywood actor. Okay. So it's very possible that he has connections there. And again, I believe he, no matter what role he wanted, whether he was going to be a poet or a ballet dancer, or a jazz musician, or an actor. He was going to be as big as he was. Early on, then, he befriended Jada Pinkett Smith. Well, at the time, Jada Pinkett, who became mm-hmm. one of the most recognizable people in Hollywood. So these people all are connected somehow. And this was at the Baltimore School for the Arts, because he 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 moved to... Baltimore at some point, uh, in, in the early eighties. So he didn't stay in New York. He was just there until, you know, he was a young teenager, unlike Biggie, who I believe resided there for most of his life. 
Yeah, he went to high school in uh, in New York, and he actually had some interest. He's actually considerably connected from an early age, and it's such an interesting coincidence, I would have to say, that he's connected to. He went to high. Do you know who he went to high school with? Uh, Jay Z, Jay Z, Busta Rhymes, and DMX, huh. and the Notorious B.I.G. all went. And attended to attended the George Westinghouse Career and Technical Education High School in downtown Brooklyn. Now, what kind of school is that? Honestly, that's not like a patronizing, snarky question. What kind of school is that? Is that is that like a continuation school? Is that it's um, a fancy it's, school? It, it, I'd say it's a fancy school because. Um, it's a it's one of the hubs for future success, so to speak. It's a vocational public high school. Um, basically, their biggest claim to fame is that they have Jay Z, Notorious B.I.G., Busta Rhymes, and D.M.X. Uh, but there's an interesting article um, about you know the value of being near successful uh, practitioners of a craft when you're young. And goodness, I mean, imagine the motivation you'd have having those guys around, but it, it is, um, I'm not sure if it's private or public or not, but it said public vocational school. Well, you said that I said that. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know what that necessarily but it, but means there, vocational school because that, you can't just go to any public school. You can't just say, I'm, I'm going to go like, it's not like a church where you just like walk in. Right. Well, they're trying to link like the geography of where you're born to future success. So if if cities are hubs for success, then maybe certain schools are as well. Um, And George Westinghouse Career and Technical Education High School um, founded to turn out rap engines. Well, yeah. What (laughs) do these four study there? Did they study rap? Because you got some pretty, pretty, uh different types of rappers there i mean we got the rough rider we got like hoo-ha got you all in check biggie smalls jay-z like these are four different types of rappers well you could argue the same thing with how uh you know snoop dog warren g and nate dog were all nate dog and snoop dog are cousins really the dog really yes those they're cousins uh, and uh, I believe they were just friends with Warren G. That makes sense. Yeah. So two of those, that one connection is easy. And, you know, they just happened to, to know Warren G. Which I think that that's not too uncommon, just knowing someone. Going to, like, four rappers going, going to, to school. Going to that school. Yeah. Was it like at the same time? Some of the time? most successful. Yeah, at the exact same time. Because they had yeah. this little thing of, like, Jay-Z and Busta Rhymes had this very famous rap battle in the yard and Busta Rhymes said, that's the only time I ever lost a rap battle when it meant something. So Jay-Z is obviously the winner and, you know, go figure, right? I guess. I can't, I I can name songs by all of those rappers, except for Jay-Z. I cannot name a single Jay-Z song yet. He's worth $17 trillion. It, I, I, it's just so strange. Over 2 billion, but. I know it's like 5 billion or something. It's, it's <laughs> yeah, a lot, but still like, no, I a, can't name a single song by him. And somehow this guy is like, he's just so monumentally successful. Well, we'll get to him later. I have his, Do you know uh, what DMX stands for? 
No. I think it stands for Dark Man X. Hmm. I think that's what it stands for. <laughs> you better look that up and be sure before saying that. Okay, I should. You're right. <laughs> but go on. Go on. You were talking. Biggie. It was. Well, I'd say we go back to, let's see, the Death Row Records. Or is that no, too far? Too, oh, oh, are you kidding me? That's Okay, well, that's, that's the end of the episode. Around. Okay. <laughs> De- okay, I will say this now, because that's the thing that we know about Tupac. That was basically the last thing that Tupac did. Yeah. De- De- Death Row Records, uh, All Eyes on Me was the last album he recorded, as quote-unquote, when he was alive. Everything else came out after he died. So, yeah, well, we, we will not skip to that but we will we'll continue with the rest of of tupac because the more interesting aspect of tupac to me is his early life so sometime in high school he connected with the baltimore young communist league i didn't know that yeah. So he, yeah. And he started dating the daughter of the director of the local chapter. He dated a woman named Mary Baldridge, who her, her mother is a woman named Margaret Baldridge, who is still a, a celebrated communist icon in Baltimore today. Now Tupac d- dated this, this girl, and this was sometime in the eighties. And then he, he moved to Marin County or sorry, Marin city, California, which is in the Bay area. Yeah. And he didn't graduate high school, but he got his GED. And then after that, that's when his career started. He slow, he started rapping and he, he began attending poetry classes of Leela Steinberg and she became his manager and she just put together a, a rap group. This is, I, I don't know. It's like the, the Rihanna thing. I don't understand how this goes. I never did rap. So I only ever played with people that played instruments where you either knew someone who did something and like, Hey, you do this. Well, do you know someone that does this? Oh, you do. Okay. Let's start a band. That's how it goes. But this person she organized a concert for Tupac and his rap group, Strictly Dope. So he had a group called Strictly Dope. I, I, I didn't look too much in that. I'm guessing it's, it's either people that Leela Steinberg knew or that he knew. And at the time, his name was MC New York. Didn't know any of that. Yep. So okay. she got, she got Tupac to be part of the digital underground. Do you know digital underground? I've heard of digital underground. Yeah. They do the, the Humpty hump. Yes. Do the hump the hump. Yeah. So he was a member of the digital underground. Now the digital underground was in a movie called nothing but trouble. This is a movie where, with Dan Aykroyd in multiple roles, John Candy, multiple roles, Chevy Chase, Demi Moore, uh, big production. 
huge flop, uh, very, very strange, very bizarre film. But the Digital Underground makes an appearance, not just one of their songs. The whole band is there, including Tupac. So three years after Tupac gets his GED, uh, he he shacks up with, and I don't mean shacks up literally, like I mean, he he meets this person, Leela Steinberg, taking her poetry classes, and she gets him into a major Hollywood movie. Now, nothing but trouble. Uh, it it had a budget of like forty million. Now that doesn't seem like a lot these days, but for the time. The, I think the most expensive movie ever made was Terminator 2, and that was $100 million. So that's 40% of the, high, the highest budgeted movie of all time. And here's Tupac with his purple shirt and his overalls. Uh, good for him. Wow. Good on you. Now. He was essentially a backup dancer in, in the digital underground. He, he sure he had some appearances, but for the most part, he was, he was barely a member and he had his first album in 1991 called Tupacalypse Now. Well, that's the year nothing but trouble came out too in 1991 as well. Uh, yes. So it's a big uh, year for him. Yeah, uh, I believe that's his big screen debut and not his first and, or actually, sorry, it's his first, not his last. He, he had several high profile appearances and, uh, fun fact, George Lucas wanted Tupac to play the part of Mace Windu in the Star Wars prequel trilogy. Really? That was already in the talks. I thought the first one was in ninety nine. The that's when it that's when it came out. But the script right, but you would, the you, script yeah. started in ninety four, and I believe wow. the script was finished in ninety six. Tupac was going to be Mace Windu instead of Samuel L. Jackson, and supposedly Samuel L. Jackson shaved his head as an homage to Tupac. And there you get the purple lightsaber too. Not trying what, to nerd out just, on Star just, Wars. Just but, like but. his purple shirt in Nothing yeah, But Trouble. There we go. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, so this album, Tupacalypse Now, this is not so much a gangster rap, you know, Two of America's Most Wanted and all, all that stuff. This is very much like uh, Rage Against the Machine level of politics, you know, only from, God, uh, we'll, we'll call it a, an urban point of view, you know, we'll. We'll try to keep it as um, uh, vegan kosher as possible. Now he has yes. a he has a song on here which I find very questionable. It's a song called "I Don't Give a F." You know, it doesn't. You know, it's is it wholesome? Uh, no, uh, it's actually not called F. I'm just um, trying to watch yes. my language. There's four letters, but it starts with an F. Yeah, and and. Some things in here, it's very telling. So, some stuff in here, it, it seems kind of like, yeah, you know, I understand that and blah, blah, blah. So he says, F you to the San Francisco Police Department, F you to the Marin County Sheriff Department, F you to the FBI, F you to the CIA, F you to the BUSH. It actually spells that. F you to the America KKK, 
F you to all you redneck prejudice MFers. So to me, when I read this, uh, I'm, I'm interpreting it from the, the, this is coming from a communist activist. His problem with these aren't like, it's not really systemic. And you, you can probably corroborate, uh, my, my hypothesis because here's the reality. Nobody likes cops. Nobody likes the FBI. Nobody likes the CIA. This is, this is pretty standard stuff. But when he says F you to the America KKK, uh, the KKK has not been in any position of power since the mid sixties, maybe even earlier than that. And then saying F you to redneck prejudice MFers, he's just talking about white people. This is just riddled with hatred of white people, as you could probably corroborate uh, as per his the, the message on his website. Would you well, like to? Uh, yeah, I was going to tell you that when I was researching him, I was like, you know, what? let's you just type in his name, a nice little Google search, and his website comes up. And the first thing you see in quotes my music is for all of us who were born with the burden of blackness. End quote. Tupac. Now like that that's no. what he's about, or like no. that's what you get. You don't and, get. Yeah. And this is yeah. this is my my problem with with people that have this point of view. Uh, he he was internally connected, mm-hmm. and he was pretty much given his whole career. He, he took this Leela Steinberg poetry and she just set him up with all these other popular artists at the time. And that allowed him a venue to be his own solo act. And I believe his first record sold like 400,000 copies or something like early on. Yeah. Okay. Um, it peaked at 64 and number 13. On April 19th, 95, the album was certified gold. So while he was still around, he's, he, he had a gold record. Now it's, uh, as of September, 2011, it's just shy of, of a platinum record. So this was not some kind of thing that came out. Nobody saw it, got positive reviews from critics, certified gold. Uh, it was released on vinyl and cassette for its 25th anniversary. So this, this guy is talking about this, this racist country and the racist president and, and, and what really, what really like seals it for me is the F you redneck prejudice MFers. Well, you're, you're popular because this country allows you a venue. So I, I don't, I don't re- really want to grandstand for America because America does have a lot of problems. But at the same time, like, where are you coming from? And I'll tell you where he's coming from. He's coming from someone who was raised by Marxists, violent criminal Marxists, uh, including someone who his, his godmother is a, a violent murderer who is also celebrated in the hip hop community for just killing someone. And he was connected to the young Communist League. So he is here to subvert. 
He is a subverter telling you things about the world. Now, maybe he had at some point, uh, let me, let me see if I can look around. I, I couldn't really see anything about what happened to him in, uh, uh, Marin city or whatever. Um, I get, okay. So he was stopped one month before the release of Tupacalypse. Now he was stopped by two Oakland police officers for jaywalking. They asked for his name cause it didn't sound American. He answered them and they brutalized him and he filed a $10 million lawsuit against them. The case was settled for 43,000. Okay. Yeah. So F the Oakland police department. Well, you know what? Uh, that's not mentioned in this song. And it sounds like this song was done before this incident happened. So up until this point, it doesn't seem like he had any real encounters with the Marin County Sheriff department, the San Francisco police department, the FBI, the CIA, George Herbert Walker Bush, uh, the America KKK and all those redneck prejudice MFs. This guy lived his life surrounded by Marxists, communists, and other record company insiders. So he was never bogged down by, we'll call it the struggle. He, he, apart from his, his mother, who was a drug addict, it, probably not too easy living conditions, but at the same time, it doesn't sound like he was persecuted on a systemic level. In fact, he had it better than most people. Maybe he lived in a a crappy part of California, but at the same time, he goes to some poetry classes and then he gets to be in a movie. He gets to be in a big group. And from there, he gets uh, a record label, or sorry, a record deal, and then he gets an album in 1991. And also, mixing and mastering, it doesn't take a, like a few weeks. It, it, they're, they're, it's probably going to be a while, while for them to do that. So this problem with, with the Oakland PD, this was probably after the, the song I Don't Give an F was recorded. So this whole album is about the uh, ghetto issues, intercity struggles. Uh, the lyrics are about racism, uh, s- songs that are anti-racist and anti-police, uh, uh, ge- general revolutionary talking points. Cause this, this is, this is uh, the buzzword. The, these revolutionaries, uh, Tupac is an Antifa. That's the best way to put it. And this album is a a Antifa album. As much as Rage Against the Machine is Antifa rock, Tupac is Antifa rap. That's a good way of putting it. You know, and it's funny, like in both of their early years, it was, I guess, clear that they were at least creative and personable and a little bit smart. It's not generally the uh, traits of a gang member. Usually the gang members are, you know, recruited from the ages of 10 to 12. But, you know, uh, I guess neither of their surrounding, you know, supported their good boy behavior, quote unquote. But it reminds me of a lyrics Tupac was singing. It's uh, here it is. Here's the line. I'm a self-made millionaire, thug living out of prison, pistols in the air. But uh, both of these guys were living in neighborhoods that were controlled by certain gangs. 
I guess both got roped into that seemingly unavoidable lifestyle. Now, when you say you both, got, you're talking about Tupac got rope, roped into this? That's them telling you what people think about okay, when sure. they think of But Tupac you're talking about Tupac, right? Yes, both okay, of them. Okay. I'm kind of linking both. Well, of when you say both, right uh, I'm, I'm, that's Tupac you and Biggie. Tupac, yes. yes, yes. It reminds me of uh, Biggie singing, I never thought it could happen, this rapping stuff. I was too used to packing gats and stuff. But, you know, as teenagers, they were both engaged in relatively minor crimes. Neither Was uh, Tupac were, engaged in minor crimes as I'm a teenager? Giving you, I'm giving you what people are, are I, Okay, stating. okay. This yeah, is what well, I found. Sure, sure, sure. Upon. Right. But yes. And, but hold, hold on. This is, this is important because we, well, let's go to this Tupac lyric. I'm a self-made millionaire. No, he's not. Mm-hmm. He's Doug not a self-made. Out of prison, this is in the air. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. No, he's not. And how that, is he? Hold, well, hold on, 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 hold on. Tupac didn't become the gangster until after he got out of prison in like '94 or '95. Until then, he was just kind of like a black power fist in the air antifa. Okay. Now th- this person saying that Tupac and Biggie they have this uh, similar uh, uh, minor. Uh, small time crime upbringing. Mm-hmm. That's that's the myth of Tupac that was created. Tupac's yes. early life is he was into the arts and he was a communist. I can't find anything about him. I mean, there's probably people that say, "Yeah, I ran with Tupac." Uh, yeah, he he committed crimes. Now, when you look up Biggie, you can find like specific things. Tupac doesn't appear to be a criminal. Maybe, maybe he got into some fights with people or some arguments here or there, just living in the area that he lived in. But for the most part, it sounded like he was into ballet and, and poetry. Like that, that was his main and acting. Those were his interests. Mm -hmm. So he wasn't around like gangs. This is what stupid people Freaking yes. morons. They, <laughs> they think this because the, the facade of Tupac, the, the mystique of Tupac has been put out there. He was not thug life until the end of his career. He was, he was probably, if he didn't shack up with Suge Knight, he'd probably be a congressman or a senator today. He would be yeah, out there supporting not. Bernie Sanders, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. That's probably what he would be <laughs> if he were not just uh, an actor in, in every movie about, like, co- a cop's bad. Right. And here, here's the, the part I was going to get to once you graciously cut me off was – as their rap well, you can't careers gloss, took off. Well, you can't gloss over important things. <laughs> like, don't, you can't, you can't, this I'm is, doing cause, it. cause this, cause this is what people do. They say this stuff and they hope that you don't stop them to pinpoint how stupid the thing they said was. So someone's saying, oh, Tupac and Biggie, you know, they had the same upbringing. They're both committing crimes. Like, whoa, 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 Tupac's not committing crimes. What are you talking about? Like, well, you know, you know, he's like, you know, thug like, yeah, that's what they want you to do. And that's how these Fake mystiques and, get made. And we'll get into the relationship with how it started with Suge Knight and Tupac, because that's very, very interesting and telling. But all right, as Tupac and Biggie's rap careers took off. Now, hold on real quick, created. real quick, real quick. Um, what is this testimony from? 
what what this is this testimony is from uh an ex LAPD officer named Mark Furman and he decided to do a special on his idea or take of the mystery be- behind Tupac and Biggie's death okay and he was trying to find out so I, and everything he states is I wouldn't necessarily say it's true, but nothing is unknown if you do research. Like it's not, you're not getting anything special that no one else doesn't know, but it's interesting. Well, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say that stuff about Tupac's upbringing is not true. Right. This yes. guy is, this guy is, is pushing the, he's trying the mainstream. To be edgy. I don't think so. I think he's trying to be safe. I think he is pushing okay. the Tupac Hollywood narrative. Yes. Tupac is the 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 gangster rap version of Lady Gaga. <laughs> Nobody wears bubble dresses and all that and fish bowls and all that dumb crap that she wears. That like the whole point of that was her publicist and her agent and her manager said, "We're going to make you look as crazy as and goofy as possible mm-hmm. so everybody looks at you." This they did the same thing to Tupac. They said this is this is a good way to generate eyes on you. We could maybe get all the eyes on you. And this this guy, he's perpetuating that BS because he's a lunkhead and he's a system toady. But go on. So as the rap careers took off, a friendship was created between the two rising stars and biggie was a common guest at tupac's home and they they frequently were spotted together so that corroborates that they were friends not just enemies like we had always thought of um and also uh this was before biggie had a career that's worth noting this is like 92 or 93 yeah like this is he only had two albums oh yes yes yeah, but T- Tupac w- was a rising star and uh, a known c- commodity at this time, and they were friends. And he said, "Yeah, Biggie, I will help you out." And this was this was before Biggie was anything. So Tupac is making Biggie essentially. Not so much that Tupac is making him. Tupac he had those is powerful friends. Tupac is saying, "I, you know, I will help you out." Because I'm I have some, way. I have some pull. I can, mm. I can, I, I, I got on through digital underground. You can get on through me because that's how it works. Mm. Okay. Continue. Well, I thought it was interesting. Biggie was speaking. He's just like talking in an interview and he goes, I've seen it all. I've been through it all. And I felt like everybody else was trying to put their views down on what it's about, but they ain't really kick it the way I see it. <laughs> I'm just like, I don't know what that means. What does that even mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, honestly, I, I I didn't understand. <laughs> so I like, I really I'm not trying to be funny or edgy. I yeah, really did not understand. No, that. no. And I was like, why did I put that note there? I'm like, I think it was to kind of talk about like, were these guys all that creative, or were they kind of like supported and pushed by either? a system or or trying to get out some certain message um but notorious big was involved in assault and weapon charges and it says here that tupac was arrested for weapons assault and rape and uh, now now again see you you have you've you've skipped way too far ahead 
Yeah. Th- this well, is... they try to link. Little, I'm giving you the timeline of what he's giving. But you're not. You're, to... you're well. You're skipping. You're skipping ahead for a lot of things because this is kind of going off the pre- uh, the premise that both of them had a criminal background. Where this stuff that happened to Tupac happened way late in his career. This came out. At, this started after his second album. Okay, so they're they, just trying to link them together. They're, to no, 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 no. Well, they're they're linking them together to make you think, like he said earlier, this guy is a dumb dumb, and he's trying mm-hmm, to convince yes. you everything that Hollywood says about Tupac is true. He's not being edgy. He is being as safe and as gatekeeping as possible. So he says, "Oh, they're they have similar upbringing, you know." minor crimes. Here's the crimes given. This is a sleight of hand to make you think that this happened early in Tupac's career. This happened way late. Now, Tupac, the, this, the rape thing that happened. Now this is, this is a, a, a questionable thing. So Tupac was charged with sodomizing a woman. So what happened was some woman said that she was lured into, or not lured. She was invited to Tupac's room to, to do groupie stuff. And Apparently, uh, he had forced her to perform, uh, oral sex on multiple men and that she had been, um, violated. Now, Tupac claims that he's innocent and he was set up. This, this is a lie. And the woman lied about it. Now, if you look at his testimony, he seems kind of consistent with what happened. He was convicted of having an illegal firearm with him and forcibly touching the, the woman's rear. They, they said there was kind of a lack of evidence for the sodomy conviction, but he was sentenced to 18 months to four and a half years in prison in February 95. He did not serve the full four and a half years. He was, um, he was nine let months, out. right? Yeah. And he was let well, out. Well, He was bailed out. Yes, he was bailed out uh, yes, by Suge Knight. Yes. And that is that is not in Mark Furman's testimony. And I thought that was a big, big deal because, because, this, he, because Mark Furman is, is a gatekeeper. That's, yes. that's the main thing. That is my takeaway is he's not yes. telling you a story. He's trying, to, he's trying to tell you that he knows Tupac, but he's doing it in a way like I'm coming from an official source. No, 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 no. No, there is so much more to this guy. But the thing is with it, he says that he was set up by, by this, um, this it probably was producer <laughs> uh, possibly, but, but <laughs> with what we know, out. but with what we know about mm-hmm. Chris Brown, yes, is it out of the question well, to right. think that Tupac didn't do this because he had an illegal gun. Um, uh, he did not deny the oral sex. He was convicted of forcibly touching the woman's rear and, and it's it's possible that the woman did lie about the sodomy. They said the evidence was kind of, uh, well, yeah, not wishy-washy. Who knows what actually happened? But this is a high-profile rising star. We'll just say yes. musician for the sake of, of argument because Vince Neil killed a guy. He did 30 days in jail. Rock stars, at, they get special treatment. Yes. Yes, he did. I mean, he didn't like, you know, pick up a gun and, and say like, I'm going to kill you and kill. He was drunk driving and it was 100% his fault. He he was mm. drunk driving and he got into an accident and then the, the guy died. It's directly Vince Neal's fault 
but he only did like 30 days in jail. Was he in like Kentucky or something? They have pretty lenient DUI he was, laws. He was in Los Angeles. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah. Huh. The, these, these people are in a different class than us. Yes. The rules do not apply to them like they apply to us. So this happened as Tupac is getting his real success. So this was not when he was a, a young man or yeah, okay. like he's not 15, 16. This was when he was, we'll call him at the, at a rock star, which is more foreshadowing. So you can continue with, with Mark gatekeeper. I mean, Furman. So then it says, yeah, after that nine month stint, uh, he signs with West coast aligned death row records, a rival to Biggie's East coast label, bad boy production. And then after this betrayal, the friendship that existed between the two reached a boiling point while the gangster rap community was snarled with gang drama and an East Coast versus West Coast rap rivalry. And then he starts talking about uh, the LAPD was facing its own internal battles. So you got kind of a three-pronged kind of a problem going on with East Coast, West Coast, and then LAPD corruption. Uh, And this is, you know, um, in the 1990s. We're starting to get into the middle part of the 1990s. Well, we skipped over Tupac's we, second album. Yeah. Which is also, uh, th- this was, this was before the thug life. He, this, this album, it, it's called strictly for my, uh, N period, I period, G period, G period, mm. A period, Z ellipses. Now, ah. now you might look at that and say, I know what that means, but apparently the acronym in the title refers to never ignorant in getting goals accomplished. So the album is strictly for my never ignorant in getting goals accomplished. Now huh, that so has a, another message on a message or something. I don't know. I just think like when you say you're never ignorant and getting goals accomplished, you seem to be very ignorant in how to structure a sentence because that doesn't make <laughs> any sense. So I think that's more of a double entendre. Uh, the, the album is for your, yes, yes, more. Th- th- this man was very much a, a, a racialist, um, but he, he had friends this was very interesting he was friends with jim carrey mickey rorick alanis morissette uh he yeah so it's he was friends with with these people uh but he was very much a uh um oh and also madonna he was very much a a a pro-black artist he he that that was his thing. He was he was into urban politics, so to speak. But he was friends with all these non-blacks, but they were all high-profile movie stars, like many communists are. So he's 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 LARPing as this underdog, but really he is he is speaking the the politics of uh we'll just say the the ruling system, he is getting the same treatment as many celebrities and rock stars, and he's schmoozing with celebrities, and he's and he's involved in the politics of many celebrities. 
Yeah, it seems like he's very similar to like a modern day Tom Morello. Yes, very, he's very, very similar. similar to Tom Morello. And and like Tom Morello, Tupac was inducted into the Rock yes. and Roll Hall oh. of Fame. That should tell you something. And that and that shows that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is not for how much of a rock and roller are you? It's how much do you push the message of the elite class? Tupac no. is the rap version of Tom Morello. Yep. Absolutely. It, and Tupac has had everything handed to him. Someone might say, no way. You don't know how hard it was for him at this time and blah, blah, blah. Everyone has a tough life at some point. Well, sure. Not everybody. Yeah. There are people that are completely born into, you know, millions, maybe billions of dollars, but how, how many, how many people are born into middle-class lives or, or maybe like upper middle-class, lower middle-class, maybe even lower class lives. And they continue on that path or drop down. Tupac was surrounded by a lot of high profile political people. And maybe for a while, his drug addict mother couldn't provide a good life, but he knew enough people that could take him to the next level. Yeah. He did that dear mama song. Have you heard that one? Isn't that the name of his, um, the documentary? Probably, but I will, I, I will do a fun fact but, while researching his father. I cannot find a lot about him. His name is Billy Garland, which I do find that name interesting because it is similar to, uh, Merrick Garland, the attorney general. Oh yes. And while, while looking into it, many sources claim that his father died in 1999. Like, and I mean, a lot of sources claim that. He is still alive. He was in that Hulu documentary or Netflix documentary. I'm not sure. It was, it was a documentary about him that came out not too long ago. He's interviewed in it, still alive. So something about him, there, there is an enigmatic, uh, enigmatic aspect to his father. And I believe he was also a Black Panther. So there, there is something interesting about his early life. And I think all these connections are, are what made him who he was. It was not all eyes on me because the second album, it sold 38,000 copies in the first week. It debuted at number 24. That's a big deal. It's number four on the top rap and hip hop albums. And as of September, 2011, it sold 1.6 million copies. In 95, it was certified platinum. So while some artists, they, they get their, their records to go platinum very quickly, this took two years to go platinum. Now that's still pretty good because it, it sold well consistently up to that point. So it debuted selling 38,000 in its first week. And in two years, it went to a million. So if you, you do that math, that that's a pretty good amount of money. So this guy, he was not nothing. He was something. And he was on his way to the top before all eyes on me came out and all eyes on me. That was the big thing. That wasn't, that wasn't his next album. 
but that's what people know about him. His next album was called Me Against the World, and it was recorded while he was in jail in, 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 in March 95, and the album debuted at number one. How does he record it from jail? Is he like the Burzum guy? Uh, well, no, this is, is that also around the same time. <laughs> uh, that's very possible. But the thing is with, so Varg Vickerns, he recorded mm-hmm. multiple albums in, in prison. You want to know right. something funny about Varg? This is just a side note. Okay. Uh, when he was on Twitter, I think he's banned now, but when he was on Twitter, if you say, if you would tweet at him and criticize him, his work in any way, you would have his undivided attention for like an hour of, of him <laughs> just horrifying. like telling, uh, telling you like why all of your criticisms of him are wrong and why you're stupid. He, he's okay. Hang on a second. He stabbed and murdered Uranus. I think he stabbed him like 50 times, like over like 90 a times lot. or something. But, yeah, but, but hang on a second. He's like, is he tweeting from prison or is he? No, no they let him out. Well, cause this, this why? is why, well, this is, well, is he, he touring? Yeah. Uh, he might be. Uh, well, um, but this, but this is what I was, but this, but this is what I was, but this is what I was going to say about Tupac versus that in Europe, especially like in Norway or or like the, you know, those, the more, um, the, the nicer countries, the prisons are a lot more lenient because there's a lot less violent crime. There's a, there's a lot less. I mean, up and up until, you know, uh, about 10 They're years ago, each other. Yeah. well, that was like one, that was the one thing that happened was the, the, the black metal, um, right. the, that was kind of like a, essentially a, a crime wave of a bunch of disenfranchised children that, that wanted to, to be larger than they were. And they thought they were revolting against a, a system that was holding them back, but really they were just a bunch of children that, that needed uh, some better supervision and some better authority in their life. Not, you know, di- or different, different. Maybe they needed something different. So they're a little more lenient in their prisons versus Tupac here was probably treated like, uh, did you ever see that movie? Um, uh, Goodfellas. Do you remember yes. when they're, when they're in prison and then they're, and they're like, cutting, they're cutting like the onions and the yeah. bread and, and they're, they're cutting like onions with, a, with oh, yeah. a razor. Like they're giving yes. them access to like razor blades. So Tupac's probably getting that treatment. He's right. probably not in solitary confinement in a terrible prison. He's like probably the wolf of wall street when it's like, wait, I'm rich in prison. I yeah. Yeah. Everything's, everything's for sale. <laughs> Yes, it's 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 probably similar to that because they let him record. Yeah. It's not like he found a yeah, way to record into <laughs> his his toilet and like a, a moldy bagel, and then that's how he's the probably album screaming came out. at the co- like the prison guards, like, "What do you call this microphone? I need I need one that can support uh you know one point seven uh, gigawatts or whatever." Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it, probably. Can yeah, you he, imagine? He, he probably. Yeah, and he probably had his producer like saying, "Like this yeah. is unacceptable. How dare They're you do this like, to to my great? Do you know who my client?" is this is tupac shakur the yeah, greatest like a, rapper of a generation they're, intimidate, they're intimidating the police officers uh, yeah and they're like <laughs> I, like i like i you know, i take home a uh, hundred dollars a night i i got I'll, I'll get you whatever you get, want i don't want to get beat up by Tupac's manager again please please don't, no, don't let him me. in <laughs> oh my yeah. god that's, and the, yeah, yeah. So just to give some context to the situation concerning him releasing an album from jail yes yeah and and 
in more recent times, uh, they've, they've allowed more technology to prisoners, but this was 1995. This, this okay. was a different time where I, I think that they, they put him in one of those, uh, resort prisons. Yes. Like Wolf mm. of Wall Street. Yeah. So okay. he, he didn't just record the album in prison. It, it, it debuted at number one. Well, I'll just, you know, just looking it up me against the world. Uh, yeah, it's got this nice little cover, you know, it's got him on it. Uh, well, just looking at the, the production, it doesn't say anything about how it sounds like crap. It, uh, yeah, they said that uh, Tupac's vocals you are very totally, deep in the mix. You'd so, be like, oh, you could totally tell it's from prison. It, it's nothing like that. It's like, uh, at a studio somewhere. Yeah, it's a, yeah, they, the, they, the they brought, studio. they brought in a, they probably <laughs> brought in a studio to the prison. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And there is something interesting, uh, about, or on the, on the little, the, the tab special for this. treatment. Yes. Yes. But before we go any further that this is, you know, when the, when things all start heating up, we're, we're going to take a break and, uh, what song do we have by our good friends down at Withermoon? Uh, our old friends at Withermoon. Well, we got their drummer used to be in our old band. If you remember that. Yes, I do remember oh, that. Ryan, you remember that guy? I remember that guy. Yes. Now tell us the name of the song. Don't give us the name of the story. song by Withermoon is world without death. You have it here. A world without death. That sounds very happy to me. Yes. And yes. I think it's appropriate for a Tupac and a biggie episode. I th- especially for a Tupac episode world yes. without death. So mm-hmm. we'll see you on the other side of this song. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
And welcome back. I, I hope you enjoyed that song. I did. You know, I good good on good on Ryan. He's become quite the impressive it. musician. And thank you to Malik Nefarious for uh, allowing us to use that song because Ryan actually didn't end up sending us the song, but you know we went ahead and asked the singer and the guy who actually wrote the song. But we, yeah, we went around you. we went around Ryan's back because yeah 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 he couldn't couldn't be bothered to stop petting his cat to send us Rhino. The song. But you know what, uh, Masego left. Masego left. Yeah. Anyway, right. story for another day. Back to the meat. Yeah. So now. We got, we got Tupac, right? Fresh out of jail. Just, just released his number one record, or his first number one record, Me Against the World, 95. He released his follow-up, All Eyes on Me. This was uh, a double rap LP. This was, I believe, the first double rap LP of all time. And, or I don't, I guess that's a weird way to say that at the time it was the first double, uh, I don't know what the, it's weird to double LPs, whatever, double rap album. And two albums in one. Yeah. It was really long. Okay. It's like, it's like 26 songs or something. It's, it's something like. And it's just one album. It's. Yeah. Yeah. So just looking at it, it is, it's, it's 27 songs. Well, I think you glossed over one thing or maybe well, we I'm, hit it already. Well, I'm just talking about just the okay. length of it, but yeah, just a little background on, on all eyes on me, but this was when Tupac became the gangster rapper that everyone knows him as. And many people claim that when he got out of prison, he became a different person. But yes, I think the thing you're talking about, I glossed over is this is when he met Suge Knight. Yeah. And that Suge Knight bailed him out of prison. I think it was for like $900,000. I saw 1.4 million. Okay. Oh yeah. I knew it was a, not a small number, especially even for the time or even now that's a hefty amount of bail. Uh, yeah. Hey. Yeah, to, to might... raise that amount of money, yeah. Right. And because, I, because I think it was a four-year sentence, and he got out in nine months. So it's a lot of money, and that might, you know, have connections later on or some loyalty. You know what I mean? Like, that's not uh, – it's Suge Knight. He's not going to just say out of the graciousness of his heart, hey, I'm going to bail you out because I believe in you. And, you know, I don't, I don't expect anything in return for the rest of our lives together. I don't and, think that's how it works. And I would bet a lot of people actually think that's the story where okay. Suge Knight bails Tupac out 1.4 million. And then he signs to death row and then he's thug out or thugged out thug life, mm-hmm. thug life, self same self-made millionaire straight out of prison. Uh, Every. Everything, whatever it was, everything (laughs) about this guy is so fake. He, he is just, he is just twisting to whatever anybody tells him to do. He's just, just doing stuff like, okay, you're, you're communist. Okay. Now you're backup dancer. Okay. Now you're revolutionary. Okay. Uh, now you're an anti-racist. Okay. Now you're a gangsta. 
Like that's also a really good way to, um, to, to get people to, to drop negative stereotypes about inner city blacks is, uh, waving guns around and singing songs about thug life. That's a good message to the kids. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm anti-racist. You know, we could all say, you know, that's a, that's a noble cause, but now, okay. Uh, pick up a gun and kill cops. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Target them based on race. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Especially (laughs) that. Yeah. Yeah. That's how we're going to, that's, that's, we're keeping nice and, uh, inconsistent, you know, so now now you don't know what I think. Yeah, and uh, uh, there, there, there's a uh, you know some there's some bangers on all eyes on me as they say. Uh, yeah, also album debuted at number one, sold five hundred sixty six thousand copies in the first week. So wow. now Tupac is on top of the world. Says you know nineteen nineteen ninety six. This is, this is it. So now he is, he is the biggest rapper in the world. Everybody knows his name. Now, when is the first notorious B I G album? That is in 1994 released in September 13, 1994, ready to die. It's a solid. uh, And then the next one. Ready to die. Well, not for a few years, my friend. Yes, yes, yes. Then the next one wasn't till release March 25th, 1997, Life After Death. So yeah, Ready to Die and Life After Death. And then when he did, was... When did he die also? In December of 1997. Okay, so he died after the second album came out. Yes, right after. He was, okay. I think... I, uh, okay, because yeah. what was I was... promoting I, the album. Okay, because what, what I was thinking was that he died before it came out and they retitled the album based on that. But no, well, they're just planning to, uh, execute him or whatever. I don't think so. That I, makes sense. I, no. Well, we, we can get into that, but yeah. we can talk more, more. So Biggie and Tupac, they were friends before Tupac went to jail. And, uh, Biggie basically came to him and said, uh, th- so this was, this was in 1993. Notorious B.I.G. asked a local drug dealer to introduce Actually, him wrong. to Tupac. I think Biggie died in March of 1997. So he died March 9th, and it can't. The album came out March 25th. Just, just okay. So so uh, so your your thing could be kind of correct. Now, nah, well, uh, I don't know if that's that's time enough to to rename the album. Like the album was probably like the art was submitted. It was, it, they were right. already promoting it. So that, that fun coincidence. But anyway, like I said before, cause uh, you may have been distracted. BIG yeah. asked a local drug dealer to introduce him to Shakur. And then they became friends. They got huh. connected because he said, Hey, Mr. Heroin dealer. You know that Tupac hook me up. The pair would socialize when Shakur went to New York or BIG to Los Angeles during this period as live shows, Tupac would call BIG onto stage to rap with him and a, another rapper named stretch together. They recorded the songs running from the police and house of pain. 
B.I.G. asked Tupac to manage him, and Tupac advised him that Puff Daddy could make him a star. In the meantime, Tupac's lifestyle was lavish compared to B.I.G., because B.I.G. was nothing yet. So Shakur welcomed B.I.G. to join his side group, Thug Life, but instead he... Er, he would instead form his own side group, Junior Mafia, with Lil Cease and Lil Kim. So Tupac had a falling out with uh, B.I.G. after Tupac was shot. So Tupac was invited. He was in New York. He was recording something. Now, Quad Studios, I'm guessing this is uh, where Bad Boy Records had people record. They, they called Tupac in to come to the studio and say, hey, Come, uh, come record something here. And Tupac said, this seems kind of shady, but I'll go anyway. And then someone shot him and he believed that B.I.G. or Puff Daddy was involved. And that's when this all started. Now, nothing was ever proven. Who knows? And, and to me, this also seems like a weird thing for Tupac and Biggie seem to be friends. So Biggie tries to get Tupac shot. I don't buy it. Now it's very possible that Puff Daddy was behind it or some other people that actually saw Tupac as a, a genuine, a threat to their rising empire that was being created. The yeah, bad just, boy records. Yeah. Just because he signed with someone else because he saw, well, and, and he, well, he was representing the, the West coast and West coast rap was really on its way up. You know, the, the two, uh, Snoop Dogg's first album, doing it doggy style. Uh, Dr. Well, Dre's the album, chronic, the, chronic. the Chronic, came out for that. Took- right. Well, I'm yeah. I'm just yeah. All all of these albums. Yeah, the Chronic, yes. the doggy style, and then Tupac is at, at this point. You know, mm-hmm. he's he's two records deep. This is before yeah. uh, Me Against the World. Right. Well, and Biggie. So so, so but yeah. my point is that the the West Coast is is on the upswing. And so mm-hmm. the, the East coast, the, it's possible that they see this guy is the face of West coast rap. So they think, well, we got to take him out because you know, we're, we're not very intelligent. And instead of trying to, to build some inroads and networking, let's just kill the guy. Let's risk everything for this. Let, let's, let's just, let's throw everything away because we're that stupid. We're that dumb. Like our, our own success, which is still something not good enough. So I don't think uh, BIG had anything to do with this and also shows that clearly Tupac isn't smart enough to say that makes no sense that BIG wouldn't do this. Uh, like we're friends and uh, the place that he happens to record at, I got shot at. Okay. Well, whatever. So that's, that's where that started. And then Tupac, pretty much went he all in uh yeah these people they tried to kill me yeah so we'll we'll go into this uh uh jimmy henchman offered tupac seven thousand dollars come by quad studios in times square record of a verse for little sean so tupac just just showed up with with one of his guys and in the lobby he got robbed and beaten at gunpoint and he got shot and then he thinks it was a setup. Very possible. It's also very possible that there were people that hung out at Quad Studios or kind of scoped the place and saw that, okay, this is where a lot of high-profile and very wealthy musicians are going into. So 
Oh, look, there's Tupac. Let's let's just rob him. He definitely has a lot of money. So who knows what actually happened? And that's kind of the weird thing with a, a lot of these cases. And I, when I say a lot of these, I mean specifically the, this, this Tupac thing is a lot of people jump to a lot of conclusions and we don't have a lot of answers. I did gloss over uh, when when Tupac uh, attacked the cops because I don't think that's very relevant. It is interesting that allegedly some off-duty cops were uh, supposedly saying racial slurs to Tupac and then uh, uh, Tupac shot these guys or, well, the people he was with shot them. That that's just a, a you know, that's just kind of a a side story, but not too relevant. But what what matters more is this Quad Studios shooting. We don't know what happened, but Tupac did an interview in 1995 where he accused Puff Daddy, aka P Diddy, aka Sean Combs, a, another guy named Jimmy Henchman, and the notorious B.I.G who were at Quad Studios at the time of setting up or being aware of the robbery and shooting of Tupac. Now, Vibe Magazine, which is where the interview was for, they alerted uh, um, Puff Daddy, Jimmy Henchman, and Notorious B.I.G., and uh, Puff Daddy and B.I.G. released the track called Who Shot Ya? And Tupac took that as a mockery of his shooting. But at the same time, he's dragging their name through the mud. He said in a, in a public interview with Vibe, he names these people. And it's not like he named them like, hey, off the record, I think these guys did it. And these guys, or then Vibe told these guys like, yeah, this guy's going around telling people that you guys are responsible for this, this mugging and the shooting. No, no, he just said it in a public interview that everyone's going to see. So the possibly the the biggest rapper in the world at the time, he's slandering these guys with serious accusations too. That's something you have to be you have to be sure of. Yeah, he's just you know, throwing uh, it around. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. these guys set me up. He for all Tupac knows because I don't have a name of the guys who did it. For all he knows, three crackheads followed him. He showed up probably in a, in a Bentley or a Mercedes Benz or a BMW, like a fully loaded, just top tier. And they just like, Oh, that guy's probably got money. And then they just robbed him. And he probably had a lot of money on him, possibly do think, drugs. Do you think it could even be a, like a Jesse Smollett situation kind of no, like no, stage? No, 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 no. And try to give himself some credit. No, I don't thug life type guy. No, not, no, I don't think so. Because this was before prison. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is in 94. So oh, okay. I, I think what most likely happened was he just got robbed and it was at a place that these people were at. And um, either someone told him, yeah, these guys did it. Because he's probably surrounded by dummies that will say anything. Of course. But it it, it wouldn't really benefit him to to throw his friends under the bus. 
it's it's possible that he could set it up just say like hey rob me and shoot me and then i'll get a lot of notoriety from it but to to throw these these people one who's actually a criminal that he met through a drug dealer like tupac was a a ballet dancer that many suspected was actually a homosexual and he he's connected to the communist party the black panthers and then he shacks up with actual hardcore criminals. I don't think it would be very smart. Not that I think that Tupac isn't dumb. I think it's very likely that this guy is extremely unwise, but that it's extremely dangerous to just set up a, a robbery and a shooting of yourself to accuse people connected to most likely killers of doing it. Yeah. It's almost like you're asking for it and tempting them to do something, and, you know, especially if it's not true. Yeah. And I think if, if that were the case of the, the Jesse Smollett type deal, I think, um, notorious B I G Jimmy henchman and puff daddy would have been in on it. And I think they would have done their own kind of staging of whatever, like, Oh, look what right, now what to happened to our guy. Both, yeah. Yeah. And, and then it would have all been revealed to be, uh, a, a huge gag like, ah, no, we're friends. I think that would have been the case. And of, of course we can't prove anything. So I cannot disprove your theory, but I find it very unlikely. I think yeah, what's, what, what most likely happened is he was followed by a bunch of crackheads and, uh, they, they just robbed him because he left the hospital and he went to the home of an actress named Jasmine guy. And he, um, he was protected by members of the black Panther. They just, they just stood guard at, at, at this, at this, this woman's house. Were they like protecting like the Godfather? I, I guess I might as well. Tupac yeah. is the Godfather at this point. Yeah. yeah. And, um, there, there is some other interesting things. So a, a gentleman named, uh, Chuck Phillips in the LA times reported, this was in 2008 reported on the, the ambush and shooting. And he, the, the LA times retracted the article because it relied on FBI documents that, that turned out to be supplied by a man convicted of fraud. Now in 2011 convicted murderer, Dexter Isaac, who is incarcerated in Brooklyn, he issued a confession that he had been one of the gunmen who robbed and shot Shakur at Jimmy Henchman's order. Now, Chuck Phillips named Isaac as one of his own, and they retracted uh, the article's unnamed sources. So we could say maybe Jimmy Henchman did this. Possibly Sean Combs knew about it. Notorious B.I.G. may not have known about it. But that's where the real rivalry was. It wasn't between Tupac 
Jimmy Henchman and Sean Combs. It was basically Notorious B.I.G. and then the rest. That was it. And that's where this all started. This shooting here. Now, what can you tell me about Notorious B.I.G. during during this period? Well, right around the time of the race of his first album in 94, he had to change his name. So he went from uh, Biggie Smalls to the Notorious B.I.G. And it's because there was a 1975 movie called Let's Do It Again. And in it, um, Biggie Smalls uh, is a character played by Calvin Lockhart. So for whatever reason, I guess once he became a little bit famous or well-known, they he was sued uh, for change and then had to change his name. But it almost makes me think like they like maybe they started changing his persona after that as well. I mean, I know it's just a name, but Tupac obviously changed after after uh, he met Suge Knight. That's a big, big key. But I thought it was interesting. I didn't know that he had to legally change his name because he was sued over that character in that movie. Well, I guess they just copyright. You know, they got this this movie made and they copyright the character's name and like you can't just name yourself. Like you probably can't be a rapper named Harry Potter or like Luke Skywalker. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, unless it's like legally your birth name but you there's probably some kind of i don't know some copyright thing yeah so who who knows about that but what what was what was biggie doing at this time anything interesting well i think the more interesting route is kind of like the jay-z like what he was doing and who he was connected with because he only released his albums through his own label. Um, I think it was the, was it the Rockefeller record label. And what's fascinating with me, when you look at his net worth and it's interesting cause it's hard to find anything before 90, but in 98, he was worth 52 million. In 2004, his net worth was $285 million. Jay-Z's net worth in 2012 was $730 million. His net worth in 2016 was $1 billion. And the present-day net worth is $2.5 billion. So it begs to tell you that after these deaths, or whatever you want to call them with Biggie and Tupac, Jay-Z profited more than anyone else in the world. And Jay-Z's even noted as speaking to the the notorious B.I.G. an hour before he was gunned down and killed. And it's just, you can't help to figure that there's maybe the natural suspicion of an implication of Jay-Z involved in these two men's, uh, not only their... Uh, not, not necessarily their upbringing or the, the rise, but definitely he is involved in the downfall one way or another. Well, and it's also interesting because Jay, Jay-Z has become kind of a, um, a shell of his former self because I, I, I can't tell you a single Jay-Z, Jay-Z song, 
Well, I did like that at... New York song. New York. Well, I think that's him. I don't know. I'll take your word for it. We'll say there. Right. I, 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 my point is, I can't name one. I'm not saying okay. nobody can name one. It's worth two billion dollars. <laughs> I'm sure at least one person in the world can name a Jay Z song. If possibly that person is Jay Z himself. But you look at the early Jay Z, and he looks like he is. You know, doing the the hip hop like gangsta thing, like he looks like that, and then now he just looks like like a like Eric Andre, <laughs> like he lo- he he looks like a like a New yes. York hipster. Yes, like he lo- he looks like a broken man. So he he is part of the downfall of it. So he yeah, he's I- there. He was he- there when it all yes. fell apart, and it's not that rap fell apart. But rap, as much as I, I do hate it now, uh, ma- mainstream rap is, it's kind of like uh, another, uh, movie that I saw. It's like casino. Did you ever see that one? Oh, I love that one. Yeah. yeah. Do you, you remember at the end when he's like, you'll look at it now. It's like Disneyland. That's kind of what rap is now. Now rap, mm, it's, uh, yes. like, like the gangster rap, it's, you know, it's still out there. It's still drill rap, but that's, and, and while that is still pushed in the mainstream it is it is very popular in its own right you know tens of millions of views per song but all the the mainstream rap it's all like like twerking and and stupid things like that like uh, i'm i'm in the club all about the hustle like that it's all the same stuff so it went from being about the the street level like really tough stuff to being like to goofy. WAP <laughs> yeah it's like it it's just it's just goofy they're clowns now they're yeah. more they are bigger clowns than insane clown posse that that's that's where it, it kind of is and, and Jay Z is uh, he's the last man standing so yes. to speak. Yeah, and I think it's very interesting. I've, I pulled up a quote of his that happened to be on Biggie's 50th birthday, and he's commenting. He says, as far as Big and Pac and pushing forward, that's just me being a student of the game and loving the game and loving the culture and wanting to push the culture forward. That was the challenge that I was faced with, and that's a void. That's a big void. Others stepped in to fill it as well, not just myself. That's a big void. That's the two pillars right there. Imagine that within a year. Like he's telling you something with that, that quote, <laughs> like I can't help, but connect it. Now I am wrong. Well, now I've heard this thing. Now I'm not gonna, I, I'm not really like a tinfoil hat conspiracy guy, but what I, what I can tell you that I am is I'm a guy that if you tell me a story and it doesn't sound believable. I'm going to look into the parts that don't make sense. Mm-hmm. But this is one thing that I have heard, like those types say, the conspiracy people, that um, the, the, the evil people, the Illuminati, the Freemasons, what, whatever, wh- whoever you think is, is running the world or whatever, Mm-hmm. They they have to tell you what they're doing before they do it. That that is something that I have heard. 
So I and mm-hmm. I again I don't I I haven't seen enough to to support that. There there are some things that have made me kind of go, I yeah I don't know maybe, well, but I haven't seen enough to actually support that being true. But I do look at his net worth going from fifty two million and ninety eight to two point five billion present day. Yeah, that's a that that that, that I mean, who, who else can I do was, that? I, I was gonna I was gonna say who else has made that much money? Yeah, like in, in like and, that in that period of time, and like to Tupac's whole thing of uh, helping people bear the burden of being black or being born. I don't know what he said, but it's like something. Well, yeah, something. what is going on? Like with this net worth thing is crazy. Well, and, and, and it's goes, also oh, within a year. Oh, yeah. How and, convenient. <laughs> and then you get these people that like the people that are saying like the burden of being black, but you're not like what, but you're, you're disproving that. Yeah. Or you're taking advantage of the people that get well, murdered and helps you to propel you upwards. Definitely that. Yeah. So, uh, Right after all eyes on me, this, this is a a big deal. And I also want to point out another thing that, that Tupac did is, um, he was carrying a gun and he just dropped it. He just dropped a gun and then someone picked it up and he said it accidentally discharged and it, it killed a, a, a six year old boy on his bike. Now they were able to match the 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 bullet to Tupac's gun, which one this was in nineteen ninety two. And I think it's it's believable. Tupac said that someone picked it up and, and fired it. Okay, I I believe that that's very possible. These these rappers are stupid. Wasn't there a, there was a football player that he Plaxico Burris he brought the gun into the club and it went off. He, well, he shot himself in the in the leg, um, right? In the leg, yeah, yeah. So yeah. people were mad because they couldn't play him in fantasy. The rest, yeah. Of the year. Well, that's He's healing yeah. up with a bullet wound in his quad. Right. Well, yeah. My point is, like, there there are people out there that do dumb things that are irresponsible with, firearm. with firearms. Yes. So I think that's possible that Tupac just dropped it. Oh, oops. Up. Well, you I, know, I dropped, there was I, a, dropped my gun. There was a Capitol police officer. Uh, or capital officer or whatever, uh, who left his yes, loaded left. handgun. Yeah, was it Michael no, that, Bird? That was Wasn't the guy who shot the Ashley girl. Ashley Babbitt, right? Yeah. yeah. He yeah, just yeah, left yeah. his gun on the counter. Yeah, there are people that are You're, that stupid. You should go to prison for that. I think that's well, the, but they gave him like a promotion. And then he yeah, kills I, someone years yeah. later. It's like, he are kill- you kidding me? Yeah. It's disgusting. Exactly. But yeah, there, so to prove your point, there are, it is believable that Tupac could have just, hey, you know what? Uh, let me just drop the gun. Oops. Nothing oh, well. bad could happen. <laughs> oh, well, we'll just, we'll get a new I've gun got, tomorrow. Yeah. Yes, so I've yeah. A hundred at home. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, and I, and I, and I bring this up t- to say that Tupac probably did not shoot this kid. I, but oh, he okay. said that someone picked it up and it accidentally discharged. No, it didn't. Someone picked up his gun and as and stupid as Tupac was with his gun by losing it, someone just fired it and killed the kid. But Tupac, this, 
he 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 paid a settlement that was between three hundred and five hundred thousand, and no yeah. charges were filed. So well, an again, court settlement. Yeah. So, so Tupac was, you know, he was he is living the life, getting all the treatment. He he was he made it big. Now Tupac died. September 7th, 1996. I will put died in quotes because, uh, there are some very bizarre things about this. And I I do have some questions and I will address. You did say that you don't have a tinfoil hat on. So no, I don't be, but again, but what I said, but what I said was that if I don't buy the story, I'm going to zoom in on those things that don't make sense. Right, right. It, like your antenna starts rising. Like you know, there's something up of that. Yeah, I like get you. like if I someone you. someone says like, yeah, I just uh, I just flew in uh, from uh, from Florida, and then ten minutes later they say, yeah, I why well, why well, drove because I've never uh, flown in a plane. It's like, but you just said that you flew in here, so it's like well, all right, well. Like, What's going on here? You're not telling me the truth. So now let's get to the bottom of this. Cause what you're saying, uh, that, that doesn't make any sense. So he, he was watching a Mike Tyson boxing match with Suge Knight at the MGM grand afterwards, someone spotted a guy named Orlando baby lane Anderson, who was a South side Compton crip who the individual accused of having recently tried to steal the neck chain of Tupac, which was a death row medallion. He tried to steal it in a shopping mall. So this guy, uh, someone spotted him. It was the bodyguard. What I had heard is the bodyguard, as they're walking out of the MGM mentioned to Tupac, like, Hey, that guy right there, uh, like, robbed me the other day. So the bodyguard said that. And then I guess Tupac confronted the man. Yeah. And then they, and they gave him a, like a pretty and savage Tupac, beating. Yeah. It got him to the ground, beat him up. And then, yeah. uh, security was called broke. Yeah. They, this, and this was caught on camera. This was yeah, all was caught say, on, camera. on camera. Yeah. So, um, and after that, uh, Tupac, he got in, he got in the car with Suge Knight. So yep. 11 at a, and Tupac's uh, in the front, the right front. Yeah. And that is driving. And just past 11, a, a Cadillac sedan pulls up to the passenger side and just fires into the car. Tupac's hit four times. Suge Knight is not hit at all. He is injured, but it could have been from like some fragments, but he was. He's not shot. In, he's, he's not, not shot, shot. Correct. Correct. Nope. Yes. And that's the and thing. Was, he, yeah, was, he was injured, but not shot, but they were stopped. So what did he get? What did he get hurt from? Because here's the well, thing. Like, he got, he, he did, he did, uh, eventually run his car into a pole. Cause he got into a little bit of a police pursuit uh, after the shooting. He didn't immediately that, like drive that's, to that's, the hospital. That, that is, is, yeah. Then that's unrelated. He's injured unrelated okay. to the shooting. Right. Okay. Yeah, so he wasn't hit at all. Yeah. And it's very unlikely that someone that just pulls up for, for, well, this is, this is like a drive-by type deal 
which drive-bys were very popular in the 90s. And they're making a comeback these days. It's very, very rare that they only hit their target. Almost always, they hit everything around their target. Right. And it's funny in the Furman thing, he's really trying to discount that. Uh, you know, he says it's been described as a very well planned out tactical, almost military assassination. And to him saying, oh, it was not, uh, it was a drive-by shooting. Gang members have always been doing, uh, pull up alongside another car and shoot. There was nothing tactical about this. If nothing, it was not tactical whatsoever. It was actually rather careless. So that's Mark Furman's take. Yeah. So, so it seems like this guy, Orlando baby lane Anderson. So this was a South side Compton crip. Now. To me, this is, this is the, the thing that stands out the most is this was a crip. Do you know who else was a member of the crips? Biggie. I don't believe so. Maybe okay. was he, I thought, well, I thought he aligned with, okay, that. maybe he did. Uh, no Snoop Dogg. Hmm. Oh, really? Yes. Snoop Dogg who had recorded uh, with, uh, Tupac, two of America's most wanted. Right. Uh, Snoop Dogg was also on death row records and mm-hmm. the way these gangs work is they, there's a boss. Like you, you're not just in the gang and then just now you're, you're a member now go do whatever the heck you want. No, there, there is some kind of order and there, there are rules like don't try to steal the medallion, uh, from Tupac. Because at the time, Snoop Dogg is probably on friendly terms with these people. Because this is death row records. That, you know, this this isn't like, this is pre-Tupac cooking with Martha Stewart. Right. And it's, um, you know, Suge Knight was uh, the former bodyguard for Dr. Dre. So they had known each other for a while. Right. But, well, I, I'm, I'm going, yeah. I, I'm sticking to the, this baby lane Anderson guy. Oh yeah. Okay. So this, so this, this guy, he just, one day he tried to, to steal Tupac's death row records medallion in a shopping mall. And then he just shows up to the MGM lobby. Like this guy, he's Southside Compton Crip. So this guy is from Los Angeles, California, basically. Okay. So you didn't just happen to be in Vegas. Cause the theory, the idea is that, you know, uh, it's, it's whoever was in Vegas at the time is who was going to do the murder. If it was gang affiliated. Right. The idea. So you're saying it was targeted that this guy went out of his way to follow Tupac. Well, that, that's the, the, that is what is presented. That is the evidence that is presented. That is the story, the narrative, whatever you want to call it. That is what's presented to us is this guy who just, this guy from Los Angeles tried to steal Tupac's medallion in a mall. Mm -hmm. And then he's just in the hotel lobby in the, at the MGM when, when Tupac is with Suge Knight. And he's there to get a beat down. So this leads you to believe that this is like a revenge shooting. Like okay. that, that's the conclusion. It looks like they're, they're trying to, to lead us to is 
this guy, and, and again, like, this is where I say, like, I, I don't know, like, maybe I, like, I got, like, like, I got a, some kind of tinfoil thing on. I'm not sure if it's a hat or if it's, uh, like, like a beret or something or like, like a visor, maybe like, you know, it's just, it's like a part of a hat where whatever the truth is, this is kind of like the, the John F. Kennedy assassination, whatever the truth is, it's not what the official story is because a good way of putting it. Yeah. What they're, what it looks like they're trying to, 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 to lay out is some guy tried to rob Tupac and then, uh, Tupac got his revenge against him. So he just killed Tupac. But here's what happened. This guy tried to rob Tupac and then he's conveniently at the hotel that Tupac is at to get beaten up on camera by multiple (laughs) people. But luckily he's covering his face so he does not get seriously injured. So he gets in a Cadillac and shoots Tupac and conveniently misses Suge Knight. I don't think he would have enough time to even do that. Well, I, I don't, I don't see a time listed for it, when like, they were they, in the lobby. I, I'm sure you can find out when, when this, when this fight started, Bruce Selden versus Mike Tyson. Um, and you don't have cell phones really prevalent at this time. So no, dude, dude, no, okay, like got, they, they got, had a I cell phone. Up. What? I said, yeah, they had cell phones, but there's no smartphone. Owns. Right, right. Okay, yeah, and I, I'm just trying to to find what time it was. Um, I, I don't, I, I, I don't have the the time. I'm, I'm sure that you can find the time. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I, I haven't looked too much into it, but there, 11 p.m. is when they get they get uh, stopped by uh, a bike cop. Because mm. they don't have license plates on their car, and eleven fifteen is when Tupac gets shot. So, h- how much later did this occur? And and he just got in, and and, and he got his beat down. So I, I'm just I'm just I'm put my detective my my tinfoil detective's hat on. So after he gets beaten. He is able to tail Tupac. That to me is like when you say he doesn't have enough time. Well, how, how does he have the the time and the intellect to, to recover from a, a, a savage beating and then tail someone who's part of an entourage? It looks like, because it, mm-hmm. it says that they're part of a, a larger convoy. And the point of these convoys, it seems to be, you know, for kind of like a protection type deal. And this guy was able to just pull alongside the, the one guy and then just shoot him. Have you ever driven in Las Vegas? It's pretty busy. Yeah. It, like you are bumper to bumper. So if you're able to get next, especially to, at 11 o'clock, it's, it's always packed, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and and he's able. This guy takes a beating, and is able even get your car. That too, yeah. He's able to get into his car, 
Or maybe that, someone picked them up, I guess, because I think well, there that, were like but, four okay. others in the car. Well, well, that's yeah. what you have to assume. You have to assume yeah. that someone was was eyeing Tupac and, and Suge Knight and knew where he was going to be. But but then why even send this guy to the hotel? Why not send someone that they don't recognize? Why not have this guy be the driver? Yeah. Why? How? Why would they recognize it? Or yeah. Yeah, see, see, this like, like, doesn't this seem weird to you? It's very weird. Yeah, like that's my point. I, it's that's why I keep asking questions. That doesn't make sense. Yeah, see, and this this is the thing. So, and if you say this is a setup, how do you set this up in this place? Like, if you're able to get to Tupac at the MGM, and you're just some low level Southside Compton crip. Let's say, let's say it was set up by, by Jay-Z and Puff Daddy. Let's say that. But how were they able to orchestrate all of this? They would just hire very experienced criminals. But this guy doesn't seem like, this doesn't seem like an experienced criminal. This is just a street, street thug. But they knew not to shoot Suge Knight or that it mattered. Or maybe well, they didn't well, how, but, view. They, but they didn't even hit him. Like a, a rogue bullet didn't even hit Suge Knight. No. So they just fired four shots. They went one, two, three, four. When do people that do drive-bys only do four shots? No, they, uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They, they, em- they empty the magazine. Yeah, empty. Yeah, I was going to say they shoot all over the place. Yeah, they empty the <laughs> like, magazine. It, yeah. So we got we have there there's there's two things that I will entertain. Tupac was not killed at all by this guy. Uh Tupac, let's say he was killed by um well it's still unsolved, so technically yeah. or is that the most likely is that what people think is a likely scenario is that that guy killed Tupac yes. was the shooter. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Interesting. Cause, and okay. this guy died uh, a few years later. This this guy, Orlando Baby Lane, ninety nine, right? Ninety eight. Oh, ninety eight. Yeah. Yes. So uh, here's the thing. Uh, what did he Com- die from? Another. Com- I think he was shooting? killed. I'm pretty sure he yeah. was killed. I, I mean, he, he died in 2003. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, he he was shot during a gang related shootout in Compton, but. The Compton Police Department filed an affidavit naming him as the primary suspect in the murder of Tupac. He denied involvement and was never charged. It's probably because the evidence against him was so flimsy. He was Mm. in the same city that Tupac was in. He did have a means, motive, and opportunity. But, but the, the place that he did it is what makes it so unlikely is he gets beaten and then he's able to uh because it sounds like they're trying to paint it as a crime of passion where this was either a hired hit and this is what i'm saying the the two things it is a he's a hired hit and this was like very professionally done and they they did everything that they could to to uh cover their bases and they made it look like it was a gang shooting, but it was just four shots and the fourth shot hit him in the lung. They probably thought, okay, good. We got him in the chest. 
that's good. We can get out of here. But most drive-bys, it's just, they, they call it spray and pray in the business. So it looks like it was set up to be a gang hit, but it just looked like that. It's like, uh, like in that star Wars, the first star Wars, you know, uh, episode four, new hope when, when, um, Luke is saying to Ben Kenobi, he's like, look, there's like the, the, uh, sand people did it. Look, there's blah, blah, blah. And then, uh, Ben Kenobi says, no, no, you're meant to thank the sand people did it. It was done by stormtroopers. Look at, look at the tracks. That's the dead giveaway. Oh, that's funny. Where to me, it's like the, the dead giveaway is that there were only four shots and they didn't hit Suge Knight. That's not a normal drive by. No, (laughs) no. And why is this low level gang member just, he's in the, the, the lobby. That's so stupid. And that's so convenient. He knew where Tupac was going to be. It's not like Tupac's on Twitter in 1996 saying like, Hey, everybody just checked in at the the lobby. (laughs) Yeah. Like how they used to do it. So this guy, this guy had to know that Tupac was Mm -hmm. going to be there. And yeah, it was a popular fight. You know, it was Mike Tyson. Yeah. But this guy just, sure. And, and, and this guy had to know Tupac was going there. And so Tupac, the guy who allegedly was always in the studio, just working on music, Uh recording songs. Well, this guy, he went all the way out to Las Vegas to the MGM Grand, hoping Tupac would be there so he could be recognized by Tupac's goons and get beaten up by Tupac and his goons. This is the, okay, this was a popular fight. Okay. You know, what was probably also popular, um, like Lollapalooza. Would yeah. you go there thinking Tupac might be at Lollapalooza? Do you know how many people are probably there in that arena? Do you know how hard it would be to just run into Tupac? Yeah. And I'm also thinking like, uh, wouldn't Tupac and his people literally stop everything and just file a lawsuit right then and there against that? Like when you try to like assault a celebrity, usually it's a really show stopping thing. Like it stops the world. Like, if, no, no, no. Like, well, they, 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 no, he, he, of like a, a little while ago tr- tried to rob him. They just said, Hey, yeah. there's that guy that tried to rob you, Tupac. Yeah. Well, I'm saying just fighting in general. You'd be like, All right, let's sort this out. Let's make no. sure that. No, not these people. They, not these people. No. No, these they people. handle it themselves. Yeah. These people say, Come record a song for $7,000 and then they, and then they shoot them. No, these, these guys don't do that. No, these, these types don't, but, but the, the, the more important aspect was that this guy was there. Like, is he trying to get it again? But like he, he was exactly where Tupac was to give a suspect. They, he was there to get a suspect that had means, motive, and opportunity. That is so convenient. This is some Lee Harvey Oswald crap. (laughs) Like this is straight up a lone gunman in a book suppository. I know what I said. 
Yeah, well, I heard it. And that's similar, very similar, not trying to change the topic, but the Notorious B.I.G. has some very, and that's the one I'm more familiar with, too, because that involves the LAPD corruption cases and their involvement, and and it very well could even be related to Tupac as well. The more you dig into it, you can't help but just just kind of connecting the dots and and the mainstream story of this is very convenient having this guy have means motive uh being in in the same lobby as tupac i mean how you couldn't do that if you tried you know it it just doesn't make sense well i'm gonna i'm gonna get to the We'll just we'll wrap we'll wrap this up and we'll have to save that for a, a later yeah we day. will but this is where I and this is where the the whole thing started and and rather than doing a whole episode on this th- this is the crux of of all of this the theory that Tupac isn't dead and this is what I genuinely believe I do not believe Tupac died in 1996 for several reasons. Now I came upon like a, a angel fire website back in like 2008 or nine or something, a long, long time ago. And it it just, it pointed out all these things that didn't make any sense. So Tupac, he didn't die immediately. Quote unquote. He got shot a few days. He died six days later and Mm -hmm. they cremated him the next day. They not didn't normal process. They didn't. Yeah. They didn't even give him like a, an autopsy a open. Well, I, well, who knows? Maybe they did give him an autopsy. They didn't even give him an open casket funeral. Mm, right. Right. Cause he was shot in the lung. He wasn't, it's not like he, he got shotgun blast to the face and then there was yeah, just nothing le- left. You leave the face alone. Right. Mafia, you know, for your casino people. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But, um, oh, he's not Italian. No, no. But it's but it's not like his face was ruined, so there's no reason to not have a, an open casket funeral because this is not only a huge star, uh, just like the, a world-renowned superstar. He had a bunch of family that was still alive. His mom and dad were both still alive. But instead of giving this guy the 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 respect he deserved. They, they just, they just burned everything. They burned it all down the day yep. after he died. That, That's what he wanted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly <laughs> what he wanted. Yes. So the, the best article that I could find on all these, all these, these, these things that I, I don't have all of it. And a lot of it is off the top of my head and some of the weird stuff. Like one thing it was like the numerology thing. It's like he died at. At this, t- oh, well, they always do that. They yeah, do yeah, like yeah. Hefner yeah. and stuff too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and that's stuff- sixty nine. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, and I and I don't, I don't buy that stuff. Yeah, yeah. But there oh, yeah. are the and that stuff. It seems to exist to me to make you think it was put together by crazy people. So you just go, mm-hmm. okay, so this person's crazy. So right. he must actually discount be dead. everything else. Yep, yep. So, um. I, this is what I think happened. I think Tupac thought he was just going to be like a, a political guy and he was just going to do the standard, like 
left-wing Hollywood type stuff. And then he got in with Suge Knight that said, hey, I'll just bail you out. And then he bailed them out. And he said, yeah, well, now you're going to do something for me. He's like, what do I do? He's like, you just do this. And he's like, oh, I can do that. I'm, I'm performing. You know, I was in the movie Juice. I was in the movie Gridlock. I can act. And I think he got in over his head. Now, this is, this is just an assertion. This is uh, uh, completely my own take. I think he became an informant. And I think that this was, this was a, an elaborate ruse to put him into witness protection to, to fake his own death. And you can say, what's the benefit of that? Well, there is no real benefit of that. But he kept making music after he died. So clearly, he is still a hot commodity, even in death. Now, it's not like, because his last album that came out, The Don Killuminati, it's very possible that was recorded and then he died and then it was released afterwards. I can buy that. But there were five other records. And that's one, a lot. And that's not counting the one that was a um, like a greatest hits. So after he died, there was the Don Caluminati, the seven day theory. After that, are you still down? In parentheses, remember me. Uh, I believe that's the greatest hits. But after that, until the end of time, after that, better days, after that, loyal to the game, after that, Pox Life. That is one, two, three, four, five albums after he died. Now, one of them, I will buy that it could have been actually, he died, he put it out, but not five. That's BS, because it's not a bunch of compilations and box sets and maybe some B-sides, which would, I guess would also fall into compilations. But anyway, he's still putting stuff out. So there's a reason to fake his death because one, it makes him a martyr, makes him a legend. And two, uh, no one goes looking for him while he's doing that. Now I found this article from, uh, what is called the, uh, OSU.edu, which is Ohio state university, the psychology of extraordinary beliefs. And, and this is kind of like, a, uh, I don't know. I don't want to call it tongue in cheek. Maybe it's snarky kind of commenting on like Tupac's dead. And this is why people think that he's alive. Now I don't want to read this whole article. I can put it in the show notes, osu.edu, uh, Tupac isn't dead exclamation, exclamation. And this, this article was written April 11th, 2019. Now that is important for a few reasons. So this, this article goes into, uh, one of the theories why he's still alive is because uh, he he had the Machiavelli Casanova theory, stating Tupac faked his own death because he was inspired by the philosopher Nicola Machiavelli, who favored the notion of faking one death to gain advantage over his or her enemies. It is really hard to fake your own death, and it's even harder to fake your own death and then put out product. <laughs> so Tupac, under the same name, <laughs> under the same name, yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Now, now, one of the things that they say, because uh, uh, an anagram for his stage name, Machiavelli, is Am Alive K. Now, that makes them think that the, the K stands for Casanova the Dawn, who people say sounds like Tupac vocally. And he released a song called Mystery that, with lyrics that allude to Tupac faking his own death. Now, see, that's, lo- that's like really stretchy stuff, like 
His name is an anagram for am alive K. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those, like like th- yeah. this is the crazy thing. And so now here's another theory, but this one's a little more um uh, a little more, huh? I, I wonder about that one. Is that he's still alive in Malaysia or Cuba? Now there are there are photos of him partying with Rihanna. Now the thing is, at this this day and age, you can Photoshop anything. Yes. Yeah. So that that's and the AI and whatever. But yeah. Yeah. Well, this was crap. this was 2019. You know, this was four yes. years okay. ago. Okay. So, right. so this is based on probably photos that were. Uh, within the last 15 years or so, you know, discounting you know, four years before that. Uh, yeah. And Sh- uh, Suge Knight said that, um, he's probably on the beach smoking a Cuban cigar because it looked like he was getting healthier. And Tupac's godmother, Asada Shakur sought asylum in Cuba. Now yeah, I do true. remember hearing in the the late nineties that Tupac was spotted in Cuba. Now, again, that could have also been started by people saying rumors, you know, cause people will, will say anything. Cause there are people that still believe Elvis is alive. No, that guy died uh, of a heart attack on the toilet yeah. because he was, he had a terrible diet and mm-hmm. he was addicted to drugs. There is a little more ambiguity with Tupac. Now, the, the one thing that really should make you go, huh, that's weird, is the cremating this person the next day. When Ronald Reagan died, th- there, were, there were people that were lining up all day to pay respects to his body at the funeral. And apparently people love, or you would think, uh, you know, I think Tupac's the greatest rapper of all time. I'm sure people have an obsession with him that would have treated to see his casket or to just be involved. Uh, gosh, it wasn't like the Kobe Bryant thing where you, you, you couldn't where do Where there that. is no body. Yeah, yeah. Right. He, was, he was just shot. He was shot like the arm and the chest. That's it. That's no problem. You can put him in a suit. Put a little, put a little makeup on his face. Get a little, you know, rose in those cheeks, and then you, you have a bunch of people and to to just pay their final respects to Pac. Much respect, yeah. yo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's interesting. But I also want to go back to the they saw the these these images. Uh huh. Just because you can Photoshop doesn't mean it is Photoshop. Because I think that goes in line with, oh come on, you can Photoshop anything. You have to discount that. Well, that looks like, like the evidence of evidence is not evidence. Like that, like yeah, layers I'm pretty, of. I'm pretty sure you can do forensics into each picture to figure out how, how it was either manipulated. I'm pretty sure that's how. Yes, you you you, you know can I mean? you you can, but you can also have people come out and say you can have well, official. You, have you can, you can say, have, oh no, it, you can have them corroborate anyway. Exactly, and, and you can have them corroborate both ways. You can have yes, you yes. can pay someone who's in on the con to say the average person isn't going to be able to, uh, well, they'll take their word for it. They'll just believe them. Why -hmm. not? But you, you were saying before I get to the next I do have, um, an interesting thing where I I do know someone who, who was at the MGM hotel the night of the Tupac shooting. And the story goes is that everything that we were told was completely fabricated. And, and this person does, 
did mention that Tupac was an FBI informant, but I haven't been able to totally See, talk to this person yet, but and, it, it and, was well, something. That's interesting that you say that because that is my assertion and I've yeah. never heard anyone else say that. Yeah, like, and this person, I, yeah. yeah go ahead. Uh, <laughs> well, I was going to say he, he was a professional gambler. Uh, Degenerate. Very, very, <laughs> well, could have been. They, uh, they Yeah. Anyways. Well, okay, so when he was professional gambler, you mean like uh, Phil Hellmuth or something like that? No, more in the sense of like the things they would do, uh, like Russian when, roulette. Like uh, his no, life, I mean, his <laughs> life is the song "My Last Words." Pretty much, but they would do like the uh, the NASCAR races. They would tap into the data of like who was running the race like fastest like when okay they did, so like, so, he like, so he so was like so he was like robert a, robert de niro in uh um, casino yeah, yeah, yeah. okay okay like so that. like that okay yeah so he mm-hmm. wasn't just going like was, was, uh, put it all on red like he's definitely had his kneecaps broken and stuff like this oh, is someone who, who was definitely like uh what was it the uh the nba ref the phil donahue when he was like cheating and like rigging games the same day he was like uh like, uh, maybe I shouldn't be saying this, but he was like destroying his hardware and stuff from his computer. Well, you, his didn't say, you didn't say the guy's name. So just no. make sure you okay. don't say the guy's name. No, I don't want to know his name. No, 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 no. No one needs to know this guy. You name. heard nothing. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Doing so, that talking thing again. Yeah. So there, and there are a few things that like right here, it says it was also said that much of the community knew the culprit behind the shooting was Orlando Anderson was murdered shortly after he killed Tupac. Yeah, but we don't okay, you can say that people know that, but again, this is this all goes to my my theory of this is a a con. Like this is a, no matter yeah. what, this is th- there is there is a something really really big going on here. This was not just a gangster shot him. Now with notorious BIG, that's possibly the case as actual retaliation, but with Tupac this was a West side guy. He was the South side Crips mm-hmm. allegedly th- that killed him where his feud was with the East coast. It wasn't like this guy who was, who was seen there was from the, the, the Brooklyn 99s, uh, which is an offset of the, the New York butt or so- something like that. No, it was, it was a West side guy. So freak accident is how Tupac died. Now in the next paragraph, now it says uh, another reason that, that people think that Tupac's dead is the uh, the killer has never officially been identified. Now I've heard fifty percent of murders go unsolved in America, and I would even say that, like, if you were a gangbanger or, or whatever, wouldn't you just say at a party like, "Yeah, I killed Tupac." Yes, like every person is going to yes. say that. Oh, I killed Biggie. You know, so like, yeah. So I don't think I answered your question. But no, you didn't. But right. that's but that's per- but that's fine. Worth like putting out where everyone well, said everyone's that, gonna say well, ev- oh, everyone. Yeah, well, like saying like everyone knows that Orlando Anderson did it because he probably went around saying it. Right. Yeah. They probably not? they that guy was I got money. Pro- Orlando Anderson was probably paid by someone, whether yes. it's the FBI or uh, Jay Z and Puff Daddy, mm-hmm. to be there to get his ass beat on camera yes. by Tupac and his crew. And then to go around saying I killed Tupac. Yeah. That and was why that guy was there, but go ahead. I know. I think it's interesting too. So I pulled up the 25 best selling rappers of all time. And it's kind of interesting. 24 because, of them are Tupac. 
the Tupac's at number 10 and Biggie is at number 16. And that doesn't seem like that big of a difference. Well, However, he only had two records. Right. But. And nothing Tupac, released after he died. Well, that's what, I, that's part of it. And, and so Tupac has 75 million records sold and Biggie has only, so only 28. But Eminem is the number one. <laughs> Isn't what? that funny? Oh, that is very funny. I find that very funny. <laughs> And Jay Z is what number five. Chris Brown is number our buddy Chris I, Brown number four. That, which is two hundred twenty two hundred twenty albums for Eminem. I can see. I can name a bunch of Eminem songs. Like Chris okay, Brown, one hundred forty million. Like I can't again. I can't name like, a Jay Z song. Like, like a Big Papa for uh, yeah. B.I.G. California Love. Eminem. Stan. Uh, Real Slim Shady. You know. Uh, <laughs> Even like Snoop Dogg, Candy Shop. Uh, my you name know is. That one. Candy Shop is Fifty Cent. I do know that one. Oh yeah, Snoop Dogg. I I know. I know. Uh, smile I and, and I rolling down the street. Oh, I'm thinking of Candy Shop. Juice. Or did I say yeah, that? You did say Candy Shop. It's Fifty Cent. Really? Yeah. Take you to the Candy Shop. Yeah, that's, yeah. Not, what is that's Fifty doesn't Cent? Snoop song doesn't Snoop Dogg have a song like that though? I don't know. Possibly. I I only know uh, rolling down the street, smoking endo, sipping on gin and juice, which I believe the song is just called Gin and Juice. I know that one, yes. and I know Smile. So what about DMX? He sold 74 million. Okay, I know DMX. Uh, Rough Riders Anthem, and he did that one song. It's a slip, fall, I can't get up. Uh, X gonna give it to you. And and there's a really funny video. Everyone look this up immediately. DMX singing Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. It's one of the funniest things you'll ever see. It's so funny. But anyway, back, back, to, back to this. Because yes. th- this article, th- it goes into a reason that people think that Tupac is not dead is because the killer was never identified. But again, like I said, I believe 50% of murders go unsolved. And a-, a lot of the time, that's because there's no witnesses because they're dead. But yeah, 50% of murder, like, do you know how many drive-bys happen? And they're just oh. someone's dead. Oh, we don't know who did it. Yeah, th- that happens a, a lot. And they just find a body in the ditch, bunch of bullet holes. Oh, they've been there for two days. We don't know what happened. We always hear gunshots. We just assumed it was a another day in Chicago. Oh, someone got killed again. That just happens. And I've never heard anyone say, yeah, Tupac is alive. You know how I know? Because they never found the killer. There's a lot of people they didn't find the killer of. And then they're just like, yep, that person is dead. Even though we don't know who the killer is. No. And... It's funny, before, you know, 1996, um, Death Row Records was plagued with legal troubles and financial And uh, part of it was Suge Knight's confrontational management style. I like how they say it like that. This is it's from, really like, funny. Death Row Records. So it's, this is, like, trying to They're, they're putting a nice bad. PR. Nice, yeah, pretty, yeah, nice PR exactly. spin on it. So Suge Knight's confrontational management style and uh, alleged involvement. Allegedly involvement in criminal activities led to numerous legal battles and arrests. The label success began to wane in the late night. I don't need that, but it's just the point of like, there's no witnesses because they're getting intimidated. They're getting, and they don't want to be witnesses. Like you, did you see that? It's like, uh, in that pineapple, pineapple express movie. Oh, I, I didn't want to see them. No. Well, but yeah, it, it's, uh, what I found interesting is there was this article in 1996 in December of 1996, uh, that's talking about, Slain rap star Tupac Shakur sold more than $60 million worth of albums this year alone. Um, yet 
At the time of his death, the rapper owed his record company $4.9 million, uh, Shakur's attorney says. So it just seems very odd that... Why would you kill him and deny him to pay you back? So, yeah. Yeah, so that was, that also leads me to believe that Suge Knight didn't have him killed, if that were the case. But I want to, I want to, I'm going to keep going with, with this, oh, uh, yes. with this Please article, do. because what, well, another thing it brings up is that, um, Suge Knight didn't get hit, even though Tupac did, uh, that makes people think, okay, that's another reason. I, I also think that is very suspicious that he just wasn't hit at all. You don't want to be in the line of fire though, but there is a price, I guess you could, I mean kind of like hey for a million dollars or like, you you've well, seen you suge knight just... you've seen suge knight before right yes suge knight is a very big guy yeah that'd be kind of so, hard to miss so he, he so, so how they yeah. hit tupac because one hit him in the lung which means they had to hit him from an angle so that means that suge knight they were in the front they're in front of him huh yeah they so they were sh- they so were they yeah they were shooting they were shooting at an angle which means it's very likely that suge knight was going to be hit by those bullets. And again, this, this is not saying that therefore there were no bullets, but I, I'm just saying that is extremely suspicious. Now, the last part of this article that basically says that people are easily fooled by um, Photoshopped images and um, weird conspiracy theory mumbo jumbo, but the bottom line is they believe all this stuff because they want Tupac to be alive. And I think that's true with a lot of people, especially with the Elvis people. They weren't ready for the king of rock and roll to die. Now, one thing that, what, what did I not bring up that this article could use as evidence for why Tupac's alive? Are you asking me? I'm asking you. Did you notice it? Because this was this was the first thing I noticed when I got to the end. Because I had to double check the date. Because like, I was going to okay, say that you mentioned the date. The date it's April nineteenth. So what did they not bring up? Which is the most glaring thing? Uh, I'm not sure. I don't know where you're going. All with this the one. records that came out after he died. They didn't even say that as oh. evidence. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I was looking for because they've already original. had. They've, yeah, I, they had I was looking record, for yeah. the original article that I I saw. It was not really an article. It was more just like a website dedicated to Tupac being alive. And I was looking for the original one. I couldn't find it. And all I could find was stuff like this. It was a bunch of gatekeeping garbage that was really meant. You look at it. And you think like, wow, if you believe these conspiracy theories, you must be Mm -hmm. stupid and crazy. But there are two things that stood out to me in this thing. It doesn't mention that Tupac put out a bunch of albums after he died. And the other thing is, this one is the weirdest thing to me. When I saw this, you probably forgot about this. When I saw this, my brain went, holy moly. I don't think, like, like, how could you forget this? The Tupac hologram. Yes. Remember, remember that? Yeah, I've mentioned the Ronnie James Dio on the, on the show before, but 
Yeah, I do remember the Tupac hologram. So what about it? That they were able to use his real life to make it real life or something? What if it was just Tupac? <laughs> because, like, why? <laughs> like, you, you have that technology, and then they said it was too expensive to do. You know, you know what you could do? You could have a tour of Nirvana. You could charge $300 for the nosebleed section. Everyone would go see the Kurt Cobain hologram. Everybody would. You pick any any band where members are dead that died early. Blind Melon. Uh, Lincoln Park. Well, they had trouble with the Ronnie James Dio one, but I think because they made it like into like a 20-foot or a 12-foot thing, and they couldn't store it, and it's hard to like bring on tour or whatever well yeah the, the tupac one was perfect did, did you gosh there do, do you i did i did see this one star wars movie it, the star wars rogue one did you see that movie i think so D, do you remember there was the cg guy and it was supposed to be the dude from the original star wars movie I'm trying to think. I remember that it, there was it, something weird with that. It was it was this terrible, like it was terrible CG. It looked well, they're doing that with awful. the new, uh, 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 was it Raiders of the Lost Ark or Indiana Jones? Well, they, well, well they, well, they, yeah, but they they've done the the digital facelift before, where mm. they just they just use uh, computers to smooth out the wrinkles. But this, the actor was dead. It was the the guy from the first Star Wars. He was he was dead. And then they just used a, a digital replacement and it looked terrible. The Tupac one looked great. And so that you was usually in 2012. Know like, yeah. You usually know it's stupid looking or yeah. whatever. Yes. Okay. Like, I get it. Yeah. The, and the, two, it. the Tupac one looked so good. And again, I'm not necessarily saying therefore Tupac's alive, but it's a, it's a one-off time. We see Tupac and I think it was Coachella which is probably the biggest, uh, uh, most expensive at least, but yeah, it's probably the biggest, biggest fest music, fe- pop music festival in the world. Uh, and I'll just, I'll double check. Cause I saw it. Yeah. I, I saw, I see something here. It says the strange legacy of Tupac's hologram lives on five years after its historic Coachella debut. So this is from April 14th, 2017. Yes. And, Interesting. Uh, yes. So it was in 2012. Yeah, Coach uh, April 15, 2012. Sh- uh-huh. Shakur's virtual appearance. Yeah. Yeah. It, and and they never did that with anyone else. They just did it with Tupac and it looked amazing. And they said, well, we can't do it again because it's too expensive. Well, it makes money. You could just have Tupac concert and have that Tupac hologram. And it would sell out worldwide. No one would be like, it's not Tupac. I'm not going. People are still seeing bands where they have no original members. <laughs> yeah. They'll Megadeth s- or something. No, no. Like no original members. Oh, oh no original. Yeah. Oh, like like ba- bands like the Germs or Dead Kennedys or something. Oh, yeah. Like stuff you like know, I'm that. Looking, I'm looking at Snoop Dogg in this picture with Tupac and it looks like they're singing together and yeah, there's nothing about it. To me, it looks real. Yeah. That was the thing is everyone's like, look how great this hologram looks. Yeah. That was in 2012. 
That's not like, like now where CG is pretty good. Where like th- that thing looked so amazing. And there's there's shadows on him too. That's even funnier. <laughs> <laughs> I got type of. Uh, I'm not Sherlock Holmes here, but I do. Right? Is it? See, here's the thing. It's not necessarily the tinfoil hat is on, but it's this. You like? You expect me to believe this when there's all these weird things around yeah. it? And right. it, it's it's it. This isn't like Abe Lincoln and Jack Kennedy. Here's the coincidences between the two. Right, right, no, this right, is right. just like you gave me a narrative, and I just don't believe it. Your evidence is flimsy, and there seems to be a lot of things that contradict your your story. Yeah, this is bizarre. Because because if you look at Tupac, tu, Tupac, he's he's probably like he would. This is 2012. He'd probably be. 40 something, maybe, maybe 50. How, uh, when was Tupac born? Uh, it's 1971, 1971. Okay. So he would, he'd be, uh, he'd be, 40, he'd be 41. So he probably, if, if that was actually him, and he could still look that good. I, I was going to say, look, yeah, he could, know, he'd probably, he could easily, still look that if you're good. You're on a yeah. beach in Cuba. You could be, <laughs> yeah, could be doing that. And, and, and here's, and here's another, and Coachella the, is in California. Yeah, yeah. Why not? Like, and you could say, well, you know, how do you get that lighting and all that stuff on him? Would it make him look weird? Well, if you look at it, he's not like directly lit. There, there are a lot of dark spots to it. It, It's, it's a very weird presentation, but it's very possible that they did that, and then they just recorded it on a soundstage, like, uh, and and they just projected it in front of a screen. And what it is, it's not a hologram. It's just they recorded new HD footage of Tupac, added some filters over it, and then just projected that. That, to me, is far more plausible than some guy tried to steal Tupac's death row medallion, runs into Tupac at the MGM, and then as revenge for the beating that he gets, he just shoots him. And then they cremate him a day after he dies, six days later. Yeah, it is my assertion that Tupac is alive. I don't know where or why, but I do not think he died in Las Vegas in September 1996. As someone who has worked on music, it is very hard to write good songs and record good stuff. And this guy seemed pretty outgoing. He had a lot of friends. He was always partying. Sure, maybe he was recording a lot, but he was probably recording. Like, he recorded a double album, All Eyes on Me. It was a double album, 27 songs. And it's not like the songs were like 45 seconds. So he was recording a lot, but then he kept recording after he died. And it's not like they used AI deep fakes to, to make Tupac songs like AI, make me a Tupac song. No, no, no. The last release was 2006. So it's not like the horrors of technology has created new Tupac records in the last two years. Like this would have been way before AI tech, like voice deep fake technology. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. So, uh, that, that's my assertion that Tupac was a guy that was going to be a star no matter what. 
And at a certain point, after being very, very much a political figure, so to speak, you know, as much as Rage Against the Machine is. Right. He got involved. Trajectory. Yeah. He got involved with some dangerous people and something went wrong somewhere. And I think that he was an asset that they wanted to protect. And uh, I, I think that he went into witness protection after he narked. That's what I think. And I think they faked his death. Well, the one thing uh, I wanted to push back a little bit on with, uh, you know, always being in the studio and pumping out all these songs and that you're saying that you, you would, you can't just, just bust out these quote unquote bangers, so to speak. But we have made the argument that rap songs are incredibly easy to make. However, we did say that it's more easy to make the music now uh, with the technology. But, um, yeah, because remember, so, so, he was making these yeah. before he died in the 90s right. where everything, mm-hmm. almost certainly everything was analog. Okay. So they would have to have all these tapes. They were already mixed and mastered. Mm-hmm. Because here, here's the thing, you, I, and you, you're familiar with rap. You, you know the term flow? Yes. Because if you look at a lot of these albums that he put out, he's not the only one rapping on them. So yeah, if you yeah. want to make the argument, like he recorded this and then other people just, they put it in there. So they, they put his verses with his flow over other songs. That's not how that works. Like I can't write a riff and then you write a, um, a vocal pattern and then we just slap them together without either of us knowing what the other one did. And right. then there's usually, our song. Yeah. yeah so that's kind you, of the implication. One or the other. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and that's that. kind of the implication here. Yeah. So yeah, rap is easy to make because it's easy to make beats and all, all it really takes is, is a keyboard, a drum machine and, there you go. But this, that stuff is so easy to get. Now you get one program and it has all of it, but he was doing this at a, in 1995. He recorded five albums before he died <laughs> in yeah. one, like in one year. For yeah. like for every album he released, he recorded another album that he just had sitting, yeah. you know, on the shelf, just shelved yeah. it. Yeah, I don't buy it. I, yeah. I don't buy two it. Two albums and, and, per each album. Yeah, and and if no. you say like, well, he recorded most of it, and then a lot of it was incomplete, and other people came in. Oh no, no, that they that's... Would all sound like very similar too. I'm sure they sound different. There's four or five albums he released after yeah. he died. Yeah. So I would, yeah. You know what I mean? It would sound like that same that argument of uh, like ACDC records or the Ramones, how their production sounds like. It would sound like the same in Tupac's regard, if he did it all in the same like year, <laughs> it's a yeah. lot of songs. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it'd be I, hard I, to have diversity in that. Doing you would, it all in you have, year. you have to be really stupid to think that this guy who was connected with everybody, it was always schmoozing and he was touring and recording with other people. He had the time to write and record all this other stuff and go see uh, Mike Tyson and go party. And- yeah yeah drop your drop his gun for children to get killed yes yes don't forget about that one yeah act in movies he was in juice poetic justice above the rim bullet gridlock and gang related yeah so this guy he had the guy that was doing everything 
had all the free time in the world, which, yep, mm-hmm. I don't buy it. Uh, I think he's alive. I think they faked his death. The The details around his death make no sense. And uh, that that is my story. Um, I'm sticking to it. And conveniently, it's unsolved, and there's no witnesses, uh, as as it goes with a lot of these uh, gang-related murders, or just murders in general. Yep. Really a shame. So uh, why don't you go ahead and take right. us home? Yeah, so we still have to get into the next bit of this uh, with well, the Biggie Smalls, or the Notor- Notorious B.I.G. But we'll save that for another day. We put will save that. that. Yeah, we'll put a pin in that for now. But the Tupac, you know, we just we have to question the reality we're presented because if we don't, we'll just get sucked into just believing in things that need to at least have normal questions. Just that's just how we need to be, you know, but look into it yourselves. Um, Thank you for tuning into the metal podcast. We'll be back next week maybe right before you know it. Stay safe out there and enjoy your lives.